That was good, too. That looked good, too. This is Kathy. Welcome back to Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 368, I think. Maybe 369. What do you think? <laughs> I, do, I don't. Come on. You're supposed to know what's going on around here, sweetie. I think that is your job okay. to know that number. So I'm slacking. Yes. You're always saying, I think. So it's not... Yeah, super- 368. Okay. Always trust your first gut reaction, everybody. If you choose B, don't erase it and choose D. No. What's that from? Nothing. It's just on tests. You know how when you'd be taking those dumb standardized tests? Yes. And you would choose B, and then you'd go back over it, and you'd erase it and choose D, and it was B. Yes. Trust your gut. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a whole bunch of little stuff. So what's the main thrust of this? How about thread instead of thrust? <laughs> what's the main point of this podcast the, today? The thread that's going to run through it all is going to be um, all the things we've talked about in the last sec- six or seven days. Oh, okay. How's that? Well, I mean, there will be a thread, but I can't, I can't pinpoint the thread till the end. Well, we're going to play a few clips from a few podcasts we listen to, Dan Harris's 10% Happier Podcast, and also Ira Glass's This American Life. Uh-huh. And we also listened to a podcast on the way home from our trip on spring break. We did. I posted about that on Facebook yesterday. I, I think that's a whole different animal. It is. Don't so you we agree? Can't, we, can't, we can't go there. Yeah. So for those of you who have listened to S-Town, we'll go through it some, at some yeah, point. I'd love to have done. some chats with you all about that. Yeah. Um, but first, what's Zen Parenting Radio? It's a podcast where we will help you to feel outstanding. And who doesn't want to feel outstanding? And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. Um, on today's show, we already talked about it. So do you want to... How about we just start with this uh, podcast from This American Life? Okay, I was going to say the Zen thing. Uh, but I'm all queued up. Oh, you're queued up? Then go for no, it. No, all right, I can do it. Uh, I'm multi-talented. I do know this. 10% happier. So this is from... All right. Okay. So, so Go so, ahead, you set it up. Well, here's... So Dan Harris, 10% happier. It's about mindfulness, and he interviews a lot of people who, in one way or the no- another, incorporate mindfulness into their lives, either as teachers or as students. And I was listening to this podcast actually uh, even longer than a week ago, and I found this quote to be so helpful for our show overall, and maybe for those of you who listen to the show, giving you a better sense of what we're trying to do. Here we go. This is a guy named Colleen, no, Colin Beaven, B-E-A-V-A-N. Here we go. What, what is it? I know there are lots of flavors of Zen practice. So what do you do in so, your school? First of all, let's say, let, let me just say, what is Zen? And, 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 and Zen in itself is basically a, a discipline in which we, we try to understand ourselves as, as human beings. Zen is understanding yourself. So what am I? Is that it? And, that's um, it. So, all right. Why did you find that helpful, sweetheart? Because that's the only, that's what this show is. And I have, uh, we've been doing Zen parenting for six years, almost seven years. And in in my professional life, I run into people all the time who ask me, why did you call this Zen Parenting Radio or why is your business Zen Parenting Inc.? And, you know, I can answer that. Uh, It is because you said it was. I had no uh, reaction or input on it. Well, I'm glad you did. Good. I've always liked it, but I didn't. I used it in a general way, meaning I don't claim to be a Zen monk or a Zen Buddhist master or anything. But I did understand what the definition of the word was in in its most basic form, right. which is what Colin is talking about. It, which is understanding ourselves as human beings. It's this. It's self understanding. It's self awareness. It's recognizing yourself, and therefore, when you recognize yourself and understand your role, if it be in a relationship to the world, to this moment, then everything flows from that. So that's always been what this show is about is it's called Zen Parenting Radio. But as you guys know, it's really not just about parenting. Parenting is just one of the pieces of your life. It's about your own self-understanding and your own awareness of where you are in present time and how you respond to things. I like it just because when I do get asked that question, it's what's Zen, I have another definition now. Well, yeah, because I think a lot of people say Zen means calm and it, it doesn't. And it's fine, meaning Zen has that feeling of having that mindful uh, way of moving through the world. It's not that, that you know, 
I'm completely challenged by that definition, but it's not a true definition. Right. Zen doesn't mean I'm calm. Zen doesn't mean I'm completely enlightened. So Zen doesn't mean that this show has answers about Zen because the truth about Zen is that there are no answers. What it is is it's it's understanding, it's self-understanding and witnessing and noticing and being present for, and by definition, none of that's black and white. Would you go as far as inviting anybody who has their own definition of Zen just to use it? Like they don't have to use the one that we're just stating on this no, one. It, my, like, Zen, like you ask 10 different scholars of what Zen means, I think you're going to get 10 different answers, aren't you? Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's kind of my whole point is that when I heard Colin say that, I, I went... You attached to it. I go, oh, that's what that's why I chose this word is yeah. I didn't necessarily have his, his words. Right. But that is exactly why I wanted this show to be called Zen Parenting because it's self-understanding and then parenting from mm-hmm. that point. And so, or self-understanding and then partnering from that point or self-understanding and then going out into the world. Because if you don't have that vital understanding, then everything else is going to feel chaotic. So this is kind of a different spin on it. Okay. Um, my, when we went on vacation, so we were lucky enough to be on a beach for a week uh-huh. and it was fun and plenty of time for self-reflection and sunscreen and waves and things like that. A lot of sunscreen. Uh, I can't stand putting on sunscreen. It's a lot of work. And I, I, I recommend to all the parents out there to put sunscreen on before you get to the beach. Because when you put the sunscreen on at the beach, the you get sand on your hands and then you're trying to apply with the sand and then it kind of goes up against your skin. Oh, I know. It's brutal. So it, it's kind of a... a funny um thing like it's a really big problem yeah right <laughs> we're on a beach and we're like this these problems well, well it's funny because one of the things i thought about while this last week was i talked about enlightenment but call it zen i realized that i i always need to have goals it's just the way my brain works and my goal my new goal is to uh be in a good mood even when things aren't going my way okay okay and I've said that on the uh, on the podcast in different ways, you know, something like, you know, all your kids want you to do is be in a good mood. So my, I, I like being in a good mood. And we all have, we wake up in the morning and we think that we know uh, the way the day is going to begin and we have a plan for the day. And most often those plans don't go according to plan. Because so, they can't, because they're brain formulations. They're right, not truth. Right. Like maybe on maybe 10 times out of 365 days in a year, it all goes according to plan. Most of the times it doesn't. It doesn't. And I don't want to get you too sidetracked, but I want to focus on that for one second sure. and say that that is a self-understanding right there because mm-hmm. we wake up and, and in our brain, yeah. which is one person on this vast earth, we say, this is how the day is going to go. This is how I'm going to experience it. This is how I'm going to feel. And this is what's going to happen. I'm sorry, you are not the only person mm-hmm. existing on this planet and going through your day that way, thinking that you're controlling all the circumstances is in itself an awareness. So I think I've, I'm, I'm a little bit of a control freak because I do really want things, I know it's weird, I know it's not likely, but I really want things to go according to plan. I think we all do. So I'm like, okay, so I, it's easy to be in a good mood when things are going your way. Mm-hmm. The tough part is to be in a good mood and I'm using good mood. I, I don't know what word you want to put in there, but when things aren't going your way, whether it be an illness or something bad that happened at work. So I'm like, so that was my thing. I'm like, I'm going to work on being in a good mood, even when you get a curveball thrown at you. Mm-hmm. So I had, we had a curveball, small one, mm-hmm. teeny in the grand scheme of life. This was teeny, but I made it into a big deal, Correct. which is when we were driving back. We stopped in Nashville. I was in charge of finding the hotel room mm-hmm. and there's something going on in Nashville. And I tried my best because I'm thrifty McSaves a lot and I'm really cheap and I like to not spend a lot of money on certain things. And we could not find um, a decent hotel room for less than 400 bucks. And it threw me for a loop. Like I was, you know, you, you were my mirror. You're like, are you okay? And I, I'm like, I'm not because I can't believe we're about to spend 400 plus dollars for a hotel room that we're going to spend 12 hours in. And it's not that good of a hotel and it's not like it's a suite. And so life kind of threw me a, a curveball. And how did I react? I regressed back to my old self, which is not being enlightened, being grumpy and all that. So I say that out loud just because it's something that happened to me three days ago. And I I started 
getting mad at myself or being in a bad mood. And it was just a hard thing for me to process. So it's not an easy thing, this Zen enlightenment thing. And I think that, again, you just said a few minutes ago, I'm not sure what word to put in there because the the ability to be in a good mood when things are not going your way, if it be something small, like, you know, I have to pay more for this than I thought I should, or, um, you know, just kind of the daily grind. We're not talking about the big things here, people. We're not talking about death and stuff like that. We're talking about the little daily grind because that's really what we're most of the time milling through, that minutia is that it's not about I'm going to be in a good mood when bad things happen. It's I'm going to accept it because what you struggled with was the suffering of it shouldn't be this way. Exactly. And that's what threw you in a bad mood, not I, I should feel be in like, a good mood. I feel like I accepted it. Like, okay, it cost us much money. But I, in another way, I did not you accept it at all. You did not accept it at, it at all because you accepted it, meaning you chose to book the room. Yeah. But the whole time in your mind, you were, and we talked through this a million times yeah. because we, we, Todd and I try and take little things and examine them deeply because that's less difficult than a big thing. Yeah. So if we can examine the little things deeply, then it helps us when the big things occur. Right. So I'm saying that so you guys know that we realize this is not a, this This is is a total first world problem, but it helps with the bigger issues because he and I are always dealing with bigger issues. And so what I could tell from the conversations we were having is yes, you got the hotel room, but you did not accept that it was that way. Mm. You were suffering with, I should have found something different. I should have done this earlier. It shouldn't be this way. How dare they? This isn't that great of a place anyway. I was doing a lot of shoulds. Suffering. And yeah. that's what suffering is. It's not accepting the way it is. Right. And I'll give you an example. Sure. And again, when I say this, I have my own re- I have my own issues with the things Todd is talking about. Like I have my own trigger points that maybe take me down more of a hole, but there are many things that I don't have a response to anymore. And I have an example, by the way, for you. I Well, and I think it might be the same one. We were driving home. We were almost home, uh, like at two hours away. And I was driving and I looked at my hand and my wedding ring wasn't mm. on my hand. Right. And I had a moment where I go, oh my God. And I showed Todd, I go, my wedding ring's not on my hand. And I kind of went through my head and, you know, I was like, okay, I think that when we were at the hotel, I put it in my black bag and I kind of walked through it. And then while I was driving, I accepted that it may not be there. Mm. I also accepted that it may, we may go to the hotel or I may call the hotel and I may get it back, but I also may not. And there was a peace in letting it go. Yeah. I was surprised that you weren't freaking out more. Because I let it go. Right. Meaning... What that means, though, you guys, is that I let go of the suffering of what if I can't find it. That didn't mean I wasn't going to try and find it. That meant that I had already taken myself to the end of the equation, and I was like, this could be the case, and it is a ring. This is not – and you actually even said to me, which kind of helped me, you go, you know you got insurance on that. And I was like, all right. Now – Again, those are these are difficult things to talk about because of I, of course I care and of course I would be sad and of course I want to do the legwork necessary to find it. But it was it's kind of like you guys when have you ever been driving and you're you stop, you know, someone stops in front of you and before and you're as you're hitting the brake, you're thinking to yourself, I'm gonna hit them. Mm-hmm. And you've already accepted it. Yeah. And so there's almost a peace. And a lot of times you don't hit them, you know, maybe 90% of the time you don't, but you've already accepted this is going to happen. And you don't go into fear. Mm -hmm. You accept. You're like, this is now the end of the story is that about 20, 30 minutes later, I pulled over to get gas, looked in my black bag and there it was. But I wasn't frantic about it. I, because the franticness is what hurts life, not the missing ring. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. It's the reaction to what's it's happening. It's not what happens. It's how you deal with exactly. it. Exactly. So going right. back to you, let's go back to your story of the you know, the room. It does suck. I was totally with you. This is a ridiculous amount of money considering <laughs> just the fact that Todd and I went on a spring break is huge, you guys, because we we do get – we're blessed in many ways with family trips and you know, Todd and I feel blessed with the things we get to do. But Todd's not a big like let's – you know, spend money. Let's not go to Hawaii. Yeah. Todd is not like that. So about, I don't know, a couple months ago, I said, let's just drive somewhere. And we happened to find a great place in Florida that was driving distance. It was warm. It was at a hotel that we could afford. It just worked out. Right. So that in itself, we were lucky. 
And that was kind of my mindset when you're like, this is too much and this is ridiculous. And, you know, and Todd was considering instead of stopping driving through. I would have driven an extra seven hours to avoid a $425 hotel room. And what I had to say is that it is our daughter's 14th birthday today. That day, that day that we were driving and getting the hotel room. And I had told her, I felt bad that she had to be in the car all day on her birthday. And I said, we're going to get to Nashville and we're going to stay in a room and watch a movie and we're going to go to dinner that night. And I had already set up her birthday scenario. And what I said to you was when I could tell you were considering that, like, this isn't going to happen. Or you were like, we should go on to Bowling Green. Drive further. Drive further. And I was like, you know what? This really isn't about us anymore because we've got a 14-year-old who's having a birthday and if you decide to drive through, it's all for you. Right. And it's really unnecessary because we were going to – it's such a long story, but that money – majority of that money would have been spent at a hotel room one way or another. So you were just upset that the extra 100 was on there. Right, yeah. And you – you know, we each have our tricks to kind of fit our own agenda. Like Correct. I overestimated. It wasn't – it wasn't – Five hundred dollars, but I said five hundred dollars. You're like, no, it's not five hundred. It's four twenty five. And then, you know, you kind of create your scenario to make it sound not as bad. Correct. It, that is such a good point. We did that back and forth. Yeah. Where Todd said first the cost was four hundred, and then all of a sudden he said four twenty five, and then by the end of our conversation, he's like, I'm not spending five hundred dollars. And right. I'm like, wait a second, right. that's not what it is. And like he said, I do the same thing with rounding up when it's good. Like I was talking about your investment property that you have, and I was saying it was worth this much. You go, no, it's not. It's worth this. And I was like, well, the way I see it, like we all spin things in our head to make them feel better for us. Us. And when you wanted to be right about this is too expensive, you kept upping it, even if not consciously. You were like kind of adding in the taxes and the parking and all of a sudden we're at $500. And that is too much. $400 to me is too much. But there, there is also a point where you don't have a ton of choices. Now, the interesting part is... The comical ending to the story (laughs) is... Um, we were roomed next to a bunch of fraternity people. Yes. And Kathy's like, watch, these people are going to wake, keep us up all night. Right. And I'm like, well, maybe. And and she's like, if you do, then maybe we can ask for a small concession and get a discount. in the room rate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm like, all right, whatever. So sure enough, one thirty in the morning <laughs> happened. And it's funny, the next morning you're like, it was payback. It was karma. Because we used to do totally. this when we were in college, which is make noise, knock on doors. Stay yell, up till four in our hotel Yell down room. the hallways, wake everybody up, even though. So that's exactly what happened. And it turned out that we did get the hotel room rate cut in half because of a very simple phone call I made to the manager. And he's like, actually, we kicked the fraternity people out the next day. We'll divide your room into half. So instead of 400, it's 200. So the creation of the story about this room is going to be too much money. The acceptance of it, the pain of it wasn't even real. And that that was something that I kept saying to you too, which I know can't be heard when you're in pain. Like when you're in pain and someone says it's not real. I said to you, let me process this. Yes. And so I shut up and I stopped talking. But I did say to him a few times, these things you're feeling are not real. Mm -hmm. Like the things you're worried about do not really exist. Meaning, yes, do we really want to put money toward a hotel room versus a college fund? No, but it's okay. We're not, there are people who can't get their meals. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? This is so small. This is so small. And, and we, we can tolerate this and handle this and we're not even going to feel any reverberations from it. So you would create it an inner reverberation. And then the irony, as you said, is we only ended up paying half of that. Yeah. And like you said, it was funny because Todd and I went to some formals together in college and, you know, Todd used to steal that stupid thing. What was that thing? The, um, I didn't steal anything. No, you did. The thing that you ride on when you put your the um, luggage cart. The luggage carts. Yeah. Well, I didn't steal it. I borrowed it. Well, you borrowed it and then rode it through the halls. Well, yeah. Well, there was one time <laughs> when I had a broken leg, and my friend Chris Peak and I think Mike Phillips and a few other guys. Um, I I don't know. I lost my crutches. I just broke my leg, and so they took me to the bar in the luggage rack. Okay, like you rode on it, yeah. Yeah, and it was like two blocks away, and right. then I took it home, and they came back. Okay, so that is stealing technically. You took it off the technically, premises. Technically, it's borrowing. <laughs> 
and they got mad when we came back with the luggage oh, rack. Oh, imagine that. I That's... said, I have a broken leg. You know, it's their fault. Right. Don't you understand it's my broken leg? Can't you see? Well, and that's the thing is when we saw these kids, it was like seven of them going into one room right next door to us, like yeah. where we had an adjoining door with yes. them. I looked at Todd and I'm like, this is hilarious. There's like, no way it, this is going to end This is well. not going to end well. And luckily, the only two people who woke up in the middle of the night were, can't, or, or excuse me, Skylar and I. And I knew that I couldn't place a phone call downstairs, A, because like I do feel it's karma. I mean, we used to... Tear it up. Tear it up in hotel rooms. And so I was kind of like, dudes, they're having a good time. Like, this is one night for me. But I also felt like if I made the phone call, I'm going to wake everybody else up and the other three were doing fine. So, okay, we're getting into so many details here. But the point of it was, it wasn't even real. It didn't even happen. I know. What I was worried about, which was paying $425 for a stupid hotel room, technically never happened. It never happened. But it really helped us practice what we always talk about, which we do consistently. You guys would be bored if we told you all the, you know, deep talks we have about, you know, minutia. But it allowed Todd to say all these things out loud about how concerned he is about money and what he worries about. And it made us go into this great conversation about college for the girls. It helped me focus on how sometimes my thinking is not the same as yours. And and mine's not right and yours isn't wrong. It's like it's just different. The most interesting part about the whole exercise when I was on the beach and I, I said to myself, next time something doesn't go my way, I'm just going to choose to stay in a good mood. Right. And like 24 hours later, this small thing happened, which is an expensive hotel room. And I couldn't do it. I did not do it. And because you set yourself up for failure, you said good mood, good mood. You can't do that. So instead, so remove good mood Uh and replace it with accept. Accept. Be in the isness of it. Mm -hmm. The isness is this is what we have to work with. Here's all the variables. It's our daughter's birthday. Her needs tonight over are bigger than your desire to drive seven more hours. Um, and so there's an isness factor. Yeah. And if you accept that and you say, okay, then there's a letting go and not a suffering within it. And the same things would have happened, meaning we would have ended up paying half price. And it, and these are, again, you guys, this does not mean, see, the definition of enlightenment is moment by moment. Enlightenment in this situation would be, I am having this feeling. I don't want to pay this money. I feel like this is horrible and I shouldn't have to do this, but I'm going to accept it and maybe try and do some things to change it. It doesn't mean that I throw up my hands and say, life sucks, I can't do anything, but I do. This is the paradox of throwing up your hands. Yeah. When you throw up your hands, this is why people don't like the word surrender. Sur- I, love, I love the word surrender. But because you understand it. A lot of times when people hear the word surrender, they think that means giving I'm done, up. giving up. Yeah. Surrender means it is. Yeah. Surrend- Once you surrender to it, you can do something about it. Well, and through some of my other things that we've been talking about in the Tribe Men's Group and um, through uh, the book I'm reading, uh, when this type of thing happens to you, uh, you have to name it. As a man, I need to name the emotion. Mm-hmm. What is the emotion I was feeling? Anger, frustration, uh, locate it in your body, which mm-hmm. I wasn't didn't have the capacity to do in that moment, and then to process it. And the processing part is that kind of you can give it a sound or you can... Um, give it a color. You could do certain things that I'm just now learning about, and I, I did not practice what I was, what I've been learning about. But it, but by not doing it, was by itself helpful in the long run. And even because you know, I focus on your words, and I said this to you at the time, and I know it kind of bothered you, but just your words, you said when something like this happens to you, nothing happened to you. Yeah. Like it didn't happen to you. And as you always say, what's the language you always use? To you or for you. To you or for you. And in that moment, this was the universe conspiring against me in my, (laughs) from my perspective. Right. But then after an hour in the car of frustration, I'm like, this happened for me. Right. And I have something to learn about myself, how I'm dealing with this very minor curveball. Correct. And what can I do to grow from this situation? Correct. Or it's the if, victim mentality versus the growth mentality. And if growth is taking you too far down the path, because yeah. I have found with the people I work with that they are tired of hearing every moment's teachable and that everything needs to be understood in the moment. So if you don't want to understand it in the moment and you don't want to see how it's teachable, just say, I'm going to do this one differently. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know what this is here for. And maybe this isn't really that teachable, but I don't feel like suffering. 
you know, like I, I don't, you know, just like with the, I don't, I don't feel like not having my wedding ring. Your next big challenge, ready, sweetie? Uh oh. Is when your computer crashes. Oh geez. That is gonna. Because that throws you for a loop. Or my phone. And we all have things that throw us for a loop. Like yours is technology crashing. Mine right. is stupid money concern. Right. Like everybody listening to this has this trigger point. And Yet I can get a phone call that someone's in the hospital and I need to be there mm-hmm. and I can be as is-ness right. as possible. So do you, do you guys understand how the crises are not by – there, there's something deeper going on where we have a connection. There's a different meaning behind it. Because like I said, if my kid is sick or I need to go see my dad or something happens that's pretty significant of a life blow, I can handle it. I mean, I may have a reaction later. You can handle it in that moment. Sure. And then you will process emotions. Later. And, right. When I say handle it, I don't mean I don't have feelings. Right. You don't, I mean you're not paralyzed. I do not get paralyzed. Right. And yet you hearing... And I'll I'll do this to myself too. But first, sure. you you hearing that a hotel room was four hundred dollars paralyzed you. Yeah. Well, it uh, yeah whatever the word is, it it, 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 it got you stuck. It, I was completely stuck. And for me, having my because it actually happened last night. You didn't. Um, I'm getting a little better, but my email wasn't working, mm. and it was saying that I had to reactivate, that I had to pay again, Microsoft. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I shut it down. You probably don't even. Do you remember when I like put my computer away and then Kate went back and got it? Mm-mm. Well, anyway, I was like, okay. And I was still upset. I didn't like it. But I was like, there was a part of me that was like, first of all, you're home. So you could help me if you had to. But I just shut I it off. I love it when you ask me for help on your Mac because I don't know how Macs work. And you're like, can you help me? And I try. But it's like me looking at... um trying to read French. I know, but it's a little like a therapy session where I just need a different energy in there. Yeah. You know, like we always talk about how sometimes in therapy, the the therapist, if they're really good, they're such excellent listeners that they're listening so intently that the the client is doing all the work just by talking through it. I just needed your energy in there. So then I could step back for a second and and do it differently. So we spent uh, 25 minutes on something that we didn't plan on talking about. Right. So take out um, some other things. (laughs) (laughs) Will do. This is one of those things. Sometimes I just feel like we could do a show every day for an hour. Yeah. Um, But... We have other things that we need to do. Mm-hmm. So anyways, uh, our two partners is Avid Company, painting and remodeling throughout Chicagoland area, uh, avidco.net. Jeremy Craft, he just texted me because he's putting in a basement window for me, and he's a bald-headed beauty. So if you want to uh, understand more about Jeremy, it's avidco.net. And Dr. Kelly from the Tree of Life Chiropractic Care, sweetie, you need to go in there because you got a oh. bad back. Okay, can I say something? I know. Before I'm, you do, oh. it's chirotree.com. Dr. Kelly, she's in Elmhurst. Go see her. Okay, so I read this great article in Oprah Magazine this month, and it's Liz Gilbert's article, and she's talking about this knee pain that she has. And she has this knee pain, and she the knee pain started right after she got her divorce, her first divorce, which was before Eat, Pray, Love. And she it was just always this thing, and it would always remind her of her divorce and blah, blah, blah. And so finally one day, I'm kind of cutting to the chase here, she talks to her knee and says, "What? what is it? <laughs> What what do you want from me? Like, what is this? And her knee said to her, and again... Not her niece, her knee. Her knee, K-N-E-E. And for those of you... See, that language makes sense to me, but Todd's kind of laughing. When you talk to it, it doesn't mean you expect it to, like, have a little mouth and talk back to you. It's you get that vibe through your body where you understand what it's saying. So it's it's not, like, literal, Listening like, to the inner voice. The inner voice, right. And and so you ask the knee, what is it? What, what do you want? And you know what the knee said? Hmm. Run. Move. Quit treating me like I can't work. Interesting. And she says in the article, please go to the doctor and don't do exactly what I do. (laughs) Because, you know, maybe your knee needs tender, loving care. But my knee needed to be quit. It wanted the pity gone. Enough pity. So the reason I tell that story... Is because is this morning, I have this awful pain in the middle of my back. I mean, like it's, it hurts really bad. And... I, it woke me up in the middle of the night, and I, in meditation today, I was like, I'm going to talk to that. Mm-hmm. What is that? And it told me what it was. What did it say, sweetie? Don't keep us out of the dark. <laughs> out of the dark or in the dark? Keep us in the dark. <laughs> I don't like being out of the dark. <laughs> don't keep us in the dark. Okay. It said to me, in its own way, that quit piling on things and thinking you aren't doing enough. Mm. 
because it's right behind my lungs, so it makes it hard to breathe, Mm -hmm. and it's right behind my heart. So it's this like pain, like, you know, there's a lack of openness. And so it's like I'm constantly, even when things are, you know, milling along as they should, I'm saying, but but we could be doing this. Right. Or I should be doing this. Or if we made more room, then this could happen. Like, you know, Todd and I were just having a funny conversation upstairs where I was saying all these things that we're already doing in our own lives, not just our work, but, you know, parenting and caretaking. And and then Todd's like, you know what? We could do another 15-minute segment every week and blah, 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 blah for Zen Parenting. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's the problem right there right. is we constantly are coming up with things we, quote, unquote, should be doing. And so I'm, I go to bed every night thinking I didn't complete anything. And I know that that pain is saying, we just keep it open. Sweetie, quick clip regarding the heart condition. Let's hear it. Well, I was hoping this was psychological. He may not be faking it for attention. Jack, have you seen Don? Oh, boy, that doesn't look good. Don't panic, Jorgensen. It's under control. He just has to say one sentence. Couldn't you just, you know, inject something right into his heart? I'd love to. But we have no way of knowing where the heart is. (laughs) See, every human is different. Every human's different, Dr. Spichemin. Yes. Do you Uh, guys know who Dr. Spichemin is? Some do, but most don't. Or as Tracy Morgan calls him, Dr. Spaceman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of movie lines. Tell him where he's from. uh, 30 Rock. Yes. Yes. Speaking of movie lines, uh, this podcast, this portion of the podcast is brought to you by movie lines that start with the letter B. Not movie lines. Movies with lines in it that start with the letter B. What? The movies start with the letter B. You ready? (laughs) Here we go. Okay. Hello? Hello? Anybody home? Hey, think with fly thing. What's that from? Back to the Future. Nobody calls me Lebowski. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, I'm the man. dude. Your name's Lebowski, Lebowski. <laughs> hey, look, everybody. Billy Peter's pants. That's a 30-second clip I'm not going to play at all. But you know what that's from? Uh, no. Oh, Billy Madison. Oh, that, that's what I thought. From last week. Yes. This is glue. Strong stuff. What's that from? Probably My Blue Heaven. Nope. Uh, here's another one. Uh, They're not going to catch us. We're on a mission from God. Oh, Blues Brothers. And last but not least. Any questions? Yeah. I got a question. Uh-huh. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? I'll give you the answer to that question, Mr. Bender, next Saturday. Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. <laughs> I love that. He's cracking skulls. <laughs> I'm cracking skulls. John Bender. Um, all right, so let's get into, um, we're going to play a quick 60-second clip from a podcast that Kathy and I so enjoy called This American Life. This is episode number 612. It's called Ask a Grown-Up. Do you want to set it up for me, sweetie? Sure. So, okay, uh, there is this magazine that was started by- It's uh, called Rookie. Rookie, Rookie magazine. magazine. And what's her name? Tevi? I don't know. Um, look up Rookie because I want to get her name right because she's deserving of that. Okay. She started. So let me talk about her before um, I, I get her name correct. She uh, Tavi Gevinson. I think it's Tavi. Tavi Gevinson. Yeah. So anyway, she started doing fashion designing when she was like 11 years old. Okay. I, when I say I've been following this girl, not super closely, but I've heard about her for years and years and years and years. By the time she was 15, she had started this magazine called Rookie. And the magazine was basically her saying, okay, this is what teens really want to hear about. You know, instead of like, for those of you who read like teen magazines, like 17, and it's like, what lip gloss should I wear? And, you know, everything is about appearance. Um, She understood that there was a deeper level. There was a, there was a more emotional level and a more connected level and a more worldly level to teenagers, which I could not agree more. Our kids, like, you know, getting to know like now that our kids are becoming teens and then knowing their friends and my niece and nephew, they are so connected to everything that's going on in the world. It doesn't mean they don't care about lip gloss. They might, but they are very clued in. So she has this, obviously it's now a website, you know, it's it's an online magazine and she does this thing called Ask a Grown Up. Mm-hmm. Is it called Ask a Grown Up or Ask an Adult? Ask a Grown Person, Ask, ask a, a Grown, grown Woman, Ask a Grown Man. And basically Mm. she gets famous people to get on their computer and it's kind of like a webcam and they answer questions from teenagers who write in. So it's like famous people like Seth Rogen has done it and um, Hillary Clinton, Julie Louise Dreyfus. I'm looking at it right now. Jimmy Fallon. um, Yes. So just quite a few. Paul Rudd, a multitude of people. Well, she Todd is going to play this clip um, that 
It's some rap group. But say who they are because I don't some know. people may know. I don't know. Oh, we should probably find out to give them their due. Oh, we'll put it in the show notes. Okay, we'll put it in the show notes so you guys can see because it's a well-known rap group and it's it's two two guys. Yeah. And they are asked this question and how this kind of ties into This American Life is This American Life did a uh, podcast about... It's called um, Ask a Grown-Up. It's called Ask a Grown-Up. And so this was their opening story. Right. For those of you who know uh, This American Life, they always have an opening story. So these two guys were given this really tough question. And the way they answered it, I thought, was so beautiful. Like, I got tears in my eyes when I listened to it the first time. Because remember, these guys are not therapists. They're rappers. They're, they're regular like, guys. They're guys. They're regular guys who are going about their business as musicians. And they're being asked to do this. And they did such a great job. And often they come up with really good answers. And and case in point, at the end of the Run the Jewels video, there's this one question which is just, you know, I think I would be nervous answering it. So we're on the last oh, one. Oh, this is a real one. Yeah, okay, go for it. I've had a huge crush on an amazing guy for quite a while, but it's problematic because he's in his mid-20s. Makes me feel really special, but I think he has this effect on everyone. Do you have advice for crushing on older people? And this is from G, um, who's 14 and in London. Um, and then Mike sort of pauses for a second and then pointedly looks at the camera. That's too big of an age gap. And it's not saying that you aren't capable of loving someone. That's not saying um, you won't love older people when you get older. But at 14 years old, your priorities and world perspective is not at the same place a person in their mid-20s is. You should always do things for the next few years that are age-appropriate. Between 14 and 18 years old... And even then, Mike has the wherewithal to affirm how this girl feels. You know, I can't tell you your feelings for someone are wrong because feelings are just feelings. You can't control them. But if you or this person ever acted on those feelings, it put the person that you like behind bars, and it probably puts you emotionally in a place that you don't deserve to be just because you haven't matured to the level that you're going to one day. What do you think? Oh, my gosh. Even hearing it again, like, I think that's the third time I've listened to it. Right. And... His, um, okay, because he just answers that on the fly. Yeah, like he's not right. He's he didn't write it out and read what he thought. He just kind of talked. And that's somebody who knows what they're talking about. Like I listened to that, so I listened to the first part, and I looked at Todd. I go, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" That he would say that's not too much of an age gap. Like shame on you. But let me explain why this is too much of an age gap because he he's in a totally different worldview than you are at fourteen. But at the same time, then he affirms how she's feeling. You know, your feelings are real. I'm not going to say that you don't care about this person or they're real. But if you acted on those feelings, it could create a, a, a put him legal in jail issue. and then put you in some emotional situation that you shouldn't have to be dealing with yeah. at this age. I thought that was phenomenal. So it's just another resource for our listeners: RookieMag.com. And then just plug in Ask a Grown Up or Ask a Grown. So it's it was really awesome. One thing that I did for my daughter who turned 14 is I got her a subscription to Teen Vogue. And also I told her about Rookie about six months ago, maybe nine months ago, just so she had access to it. And I know many of you may look at it and say, oh, my gosh, they're talking about such big things or deep things or sexuality is discussed. But here's the thing. Our kids are talking about these things Anyway, like these are things that it's not like because we haven't seen them talking about it or seen them reading about it that they don't have access to it. And my hope is to give her as many resources as possible that affirm who she is and that doesn't make her feel like she needs to be someone different. And Rookie does a good job of of using a lot of different kind of people. They have it's quite diverse, uh, socioeconomically diverse, um, racially diverse, and lots of different ages, lots of different opinions. And in that, everyone can belong. Do you see what I mean? And it's also smart. It's smart. And you know, I haven't I don't go on the website all the time. So you may find something that you're like, this isn't smart. I don't like this. That could be true. I don't know that every article is great, but the things I have seen have been smart. And Teen Vogue, the reason I got her a subscription to that is their journal their reporting right now and their journalism is incredible. Yeah. Like they are up there, they are getting like attention from really big time, you know, journalist uh, kind of 
outlets, what am I trying to say, news organizations for their reporting because basically Teen Vogue brought in a new staff and said, we're, t- we're tired of catering and talking yeah, down they to teenagers. They blew it up and redid it. They blew it up and redid it. And they're saying they're doing real investigative reporting and like allowing teenagers to have a voice and, and, and have access to information that is meaningful to them. So, you know, she's going to, those aren't going to be her only resources. She'll find things that probably I don't love and things that are even better than those suggestions. But um, that's kind of, I feel like, as her mom, is to be aware of what's available. So Rookie and uh, Teen Vogue, check it out. You have to decide as a parent if you believe it works for your family. Um, along the lines of talking about sexuality, we've dedicated many podcasts to sexuality, so we're not going to take too much time on this. But I stumbled across something uh, in some USA Today article. And it says, what is sex positivity? Which I didn't really know what that meant, even though my sweetie reminded me that we did something on sex we positive did. parenting. Yeah, we did a podcast about it. So I'll try to pull it up in the search, but I didn't know what that meant. So I'm pulling a few sentences out of this article. Comfortable with uh, So what is sex positivity? The definition is comfortable with one's own sexual identity and with the sexual behaviors of others with the purpose of promoting healthy, smart, safe, and consensual sex consensual sex. Um, you know, obviously that's kind of what it is. Uh, and then it goes on to say, most of our programming lands in the area of consent and prevention. Most of the students here have had zero sex ed or abstinence only sex education that can lead to uncomfortable situations talking about sex. So so basically the way that I, that I would define it, you know, without having something written in front of me is that it is your own awareness about yourself and where you stand with sexuality and how you understand your, uh, maybe your history, your belief system, your morals, your values, what you hope for, your desires, all those kind of things that you have an understanding of yourself. And from that place, that's how you associate with others. Meaning if you understand yourself, there's a lot less judgment about other people, first of all. So there's a lot less pointing fingers and saying, this is right, this is wrong. It's I understand why I'm doing what I'm doing and I'm open to listening to other people's perspective. It also helps with then teaching our own children, you know, educating them about them, who they are, because who we are, you know, like how we view our sexuality or how we view our experiences may be different than theirs. But sex positive means that you are willing to have those conversations and you are willing to be open to the things that they share with you. Well, and this is, um, it goes on to say, um, a lot of it comes down to socialization mm-hmm. and we already, we all know this. So I'm not blowing anybody's socks off by saying this, but it says men can be socialized to believe that they need to have a lot of sex to show masculinity Correct. while women are socialized to fear or feel shame about their bodies. Correct. So, you know, that's ABC one, two, three, everybody knows that, but I think it's worth even talking about more as, you know, as a guy, I, I was, we, we always rank ourselves based on whether or not we have the ability to get with women and you poor, and these poor girls, um, don't have permission to appreciate their own sexuality because if they are, it means that they're a this or a that. So, Mm -hmm. well, and that's the thing, like when you say poor girls, it's not about we're, you know, poor boys, poor boys, exactly. It goes back and forth. It's that there are, we are again, as we discuss very often on the show, put in boxes of this is who we're supposed to be. And none of it's true. And it's all like, you know, one of the, uh, I think we talked about, uh, talked about her on this show, the woman who goes to the locker room rooms to talk yeah. to the athletes yeah. about their, you know, their sexual, yeah. the, the way that they conduct themselves when it comes to women um, and how they, you know, often take a pretty misogynistic viewpoint or or don't understand what consent means. And she goes in to ask them questions. She's really... Uh, I don't want to. I don't know if the word brave is correct. She's really taking it to the next level of saying, "I'm just going to approach them rather yeah. than like hope they come to my talks. I'm actually going to go to these locker rooms and right. talk to these boys about their belief systems." And one of the things she actually asks one of the boys is, "You know, what is your belief system about this?" And he says something a little more vulgar than I'm not going to say, but he said, "You know, my job is to have sex with as many girls as yeah. possible." And she's like, "Where did you hear that?" Where did you, where did you, why do you believe that? And he, he didn't even know why he didn't, and he couldn't even access, you know, where did I hear that? And does that even work for me? Mm -hmm. Is that even what I want? And 
these are the kind of conversations we need to be having um, with, you know, obviously that's a more adult conversation as kids get older, but beginning these kind of talks about um, puberty and, and sexuality and growing up and the way that what our kids think about as they get older, because sexuality is not just about their bodies. It's about the way they start to view, you know, whoever they're attracted to and they just, their thoughts change. And, um, those, if those discussions are open, they are more likely to make beneficial choices for themselves. I'm trying to pull up her Ted talk. I can't find it. Do you remember her name? I don't, but it was really good. Um, and it's funny, like, you know, the whole, you know, guys are measured on their sexual prowess and all that. And I remember this is kind of a personal story, but I worked as a bagger at Dominic's, which is a grocery store in Chicago. And I was 16 and there was a girl there who worked there and she was 17 and she was totally coming on to me and flirting with me. And I was totally scared. Really? And it would have been so, uh, embarrassing to share my fear with my friends. So I didn't. And and because I want to take this further, because I do understand, but yeah. what were you afraid of? Like you, because you... I, 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 that I wouldn't know what to do. I wouldn't know how to interact with, each, with her. Should I ask her out? Should I not ask her out? I'm scared if I ask her out. I'm scared if I don't ask her out. I'm scared of every Everything. scenario. Right. And that, like you said, who can you go to with that kind of fear? Because if you were to talk to your friends about that, they'd be like, dude, what's wrong with you? Right. Right? Exactly. Would they? I mean... Oh, no. They would have been, dude... How far did you get? Right. That's what they would say. Right? And then it's like she's not even... That statement... Right. Has nothing to do with the girl. Nothing to do with the girl. Right. It's what did you take? What did you get? And how... And that's, you guys, what we're talking about in our culture is we... Of course, women... Uh, you know, kind of going back to our show last week about, you know, not believing that men are supposed to be the protectors of women. Women are empowered in their own ways and they 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 do have a voice and they are leaders. But there's these societal norms yeah. that really can, if we don't question them, yeah. they cause immense problems. That's why Mike Damas, we had such a wonderful conversation he with him. He was so great. Because he didn't talk about boys or girls or right. men or women because women have just as much of a right to be sexually empowered as the boys. And boys, just like the story you told, are just as fearful about interaction and sexuality and as confused as anybody. And so, again, Mike, uh, he has his organization is called the Date Safe Project, and he talks a lot about consent and this kind. I don't know if he uses sex positive, but it sure fits what he talks about. We're big fans of Mike, that's for certain. And so, anyway, I just think that these discussions are... As you know, we've just, we've talked about um, sexuality on this show a lot when it comes to talking to our kids. But what Todd and I know that it really comes down to after all the work and sex talks we've offered to parents is it's really not about the kids. It's us as parents getting clear about ourselves. Yeah. Because if we're if we really want to teach something, we have to be coming from that grounded, tethered place where we understand ourselves. Again, the definition of Zen, self-understanding first, and then you have something to offer. Um, not along the same lines, but this is along the lines of equality. Okay. Um, I don't know if we talked about this on last week's podcast, but, uh, the U S women's hockey team, uh, boycotted, uh, threatened to boycott this next world championships or whatever. And, um, one kind of side note as what was cool is I think the, the boys or the guys, The the men, sorry, um, said, and it was about wage inequalities. Like they were getting, the girls were getting paid a thousand dollars a month, uh, from the organization for six months around the Olympics in the past and members of the UST. So anyways, they were severely underpaid. Right. A thousand dollars a month. Like that's, that's $250 a week for being one of the best hockey players in this country. Wow. So awful. So anyways, uh, the guys just, uh, apparently the guys said, you know, we're boycotting because of the girls as well. It was solidarity. Unless something else happens. And again, that's the thing is they just stood up and said, this isn't fair. Yeah. So we'll just stand with them. Yes. Not fight for For them. them. Stand stand with them. them. And because we, when we stand together, because only half you know, like when we think about our, our, our world, you know, you've got, you know, gender, you know, male, female, and obviously we know there's in between, but I'm just using this generally. Um, it is, that's only half of the voices. And so if then we have the other half of the voices come in and join and say, yes, this is unequal. 
that's when things change. So the issue was settled last week and they will make now three to $4,000 a month with the ability to earn more than 70,000 annually with contributions from the U.S. Olympic Committee. So it sounds like they negotiated a deal that they were happy with. So it's a start. Hats off to these awesome women hockey players. And they are 2-0 and in the tournament. Wow. They beat Russia 7 to nothing last and night. And to the the men, to the, guys. the hockey players who said, we're going to stand up too. That's right. These are, these are our, because they really are their co-athletes. They are they they all live a similar life. Yeah. You know what I mean? They oh, yeah. get it. Well, and they you know because yeah, they probably, you know, practice in the same facility That's like what they I mean. know these yeah. women. They so. know them and they know that they are working just as hard. So hats off to the guys and the girls. Great. So I found this um, thing from businessinsider.com. Okay. Here are the eight, this is completely random. So it's got nothing to do with what we've been talking about. I just thought it'd be kind of fun to kind of go through with you. Here are the ages you peak at everything throughout life. Okay. Okay. And this is based on a bunch of scientific studies. Who knows where they come from, but it was kind of fun. So, sweetie, guess what? at what age you peak at learning a new language. Uh, okay, uh, seven. Oh, my gosh. Am I right? You're right. Um, this one, number. this kind of blew me away. When, do you, when is your peak brain processing power? What age? 25. 18 years old. Oh, interesting. That's crazy. Now, see, and I would that surprises me because your prefrontal cortex is not developed until you're 25. So you processing possibly, but not rational. Who knows? Behavior. Um, remembering names. Give me a guess. <laughs> it's not 45. I'll tell you that because I suck. Joe Geronimo. Joe Geronimo. So can I just tell this very quick story? In the car a couple days ago, JC was having me order a book and the book is called, I can't remember, Someone <laughs> Like know. Eva. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> Like Eva. Somebody Like Eva by Joan Wolfe. I can't remember. But every time I would, I was calling all these Barnes and Noble, Nobles and I kept saying, do you guys have All About Eve? She's like, mom, it's someone because All About Eve JC's, is a movie. JC said it to you about 10 times. Like 50 times. And it wasn't connecting. I just could not integrate it. And I sounded really old. Okay, so go on. Uh, muscle strength. Uh, gosh, I, 20? 25. Oh, I was going to say 25, but that was Running perfect. a marathon. Let's see. 30? 28. Okay. Bone mass. Uh, 25. 30. Hmm, okay. Playing chess. Ooh, um, 12. 31. Ooh. Remembering faces. Um, 20. 32. Wow, it's going up. Salary okay. for women. What about it? When do they make the most money? Oh, uh, 35. 39. Okay. Guess what it is for the guys. Uh, 40. 48. Ooh, interesting. Making a Nobel Prize winning discovery. 50. 40. Mm. Arithmetic skills. So I'm not going to... Gonna do a no, Nobel Prize discovery. Doesn't look like it. Oh shoot! Arithmetic skills. Can we call it math? No, it says arithmetic. Okay, uh, uh, fifteen. Fifty. I don't. What? Know. That's, that's crazy. That's just wrong. There's no way. What about I, Will Hunting? I can't do fifth grade math right now, and I'm forty-two. I know. Forty-four. I, I don't can't know. Can't either. Um, this is an interesting one. Understanding people's emotions. Oh, age. Age. Um, gosh, I feel peak. Uh, twenty-five. 51. What? That makes sense, right? Yes. 25-year-olds can't. You're right. That, was, that wasn't that was a good. That was dumb, sweetie. Okay, but here's the thing. I was going to actually say something really like deep, like one-year-old, because mm, you can feel people's emotions, and then I kind of just did you a, were, yeah. I threw something out there that didn't work. Um, life satisfaction. Uh, 40. 68. Wow, that's a long time away. Vocabulary. Not now. Um, <laughs> see, vocabulary. Uh, 30. 71. What? Hap this is shocking. Happiness with your body. Um, 60. 74. Jeez. Last but not least. All right. Psychological well-being. Mm, 70. 82. Interesting. Well, I think the older you get, you're like... Whatever. I know. And that's the thing is there's these different tipping points for people because there's many things that I am much better at, like body. Like I am so thankful. Like, you know, this pain in my back, 
when it goes away, it's a pain in the back. It's a pain in the back. It should be neck. It should. <laughs> <laughs> got it's, this pain in my neck. I got this pain. In, it's a pain in my back. And when it goes away, I will. There will be this euphoria for a while about how good it feels to just feel good. So I have a different feeling about body than I used to, where everything was visual. Mm-hmm. Like now, it's much more internal. But it would be not honest to say that. I'm completely over it because right. I'm not. You know, there's still things that I'm like, oh, that doesn't fit or, um, you know, that doesn't look right. Or, you know, I, I'm still human, um, but it's better. Like, oh, my God, so much better than when I was like 30 or, got, gosh, 20. Yeah, well, you know, that's just <laughs> like uh, your opinion, man. <laughs> let it go. Just let it go, sweetie. Let it go. Let go. Whatever. Let go. You're holding. Um, you're holding something, and in you just got to let it go. Well, I told you it already talked to me. It said you're being hard on your own heart, and yeah. you're being hard on your own system. Can I read you one quote? Because I know sure. you're trying to finish up, but yeah. I wrote this down today because I heard it in a podcast. Uh, this author said this, and I and it just I rewound it like three times. Okay, not because I have a cassette, because I didn't really rewind it. Do you remember cassettes in the car? I do. Remember it would go. Like that? Yeah, when it rewound and fast-forwarded. So I, I, yes, and I think I had a cassette tape up until, it doesn't matter. Okay, I, this is what I heard. Regret is so unskillful. Regret is so unskillful. Yes. Regret is so unskillful. Yeah. What the heck does that mean? It's just such a waste of time. I've always said regret is so unproductive. Yeah. Um, But there was something about that word unskillful. Basically, you can't – regret doesn't – it doesn't do anything. I mean, okay, let me say this. Sometimes regret can help us – you know, it's kind of like guilt. It can help us make better choices, meaning we've had an experience where we've regretted not doing something. And so then in the in the future, we make a choice to be a little more risk-taking because we weren't in the past. I'm not saying that it plays no role because obviously I know that all emotions and all experiences have some kind of role. But regret as a common feeling. You know, grass is always greener, people. Right. You know them, right? Right. I feel like you're getting ready to play something. I am. Okay. But I'm still listening. Okay. So – Regret, it's just an unskillful, it's like a messy, sloppy way to go through life. Because if you hadn't done this, then this wouldn't have happened, and then you wouldn't be here. And then and then if you do have regret, then that's where the isness comes in. That's where it's I'm here now. So then this is the direction I'm gonna go rather than constantly staying in that stream of regret where you are bogged down by that regret constantly and consistently. It's very unskillful. I agree. Do you? Okay, what are you going to play? A life that's full. I traveled each Isn't there a regret line in this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every highway and more. Much more, more than, than this. this. Reminds me of your mama. I, I know. This one's for you, mom. My way. Regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. What's that supposed to mean? Too few to mention. So he's had a few, but not too many? Yeah, he's had a few, but too few that it, to focus on that would take away from all of the great things that I experienced. Yeah. And, you know, it didn't sign. It Actually, it's a perfect thing to play. Yeah. Your regrets don't need to sideline your entire life. Right. You know, the woman that I was listening to, what she was talking about was her husband. Um, it was that Danny Shapiro, um, yeah, yeah. you know, podcast. She was talking about that when she met her husband, he was a reporter and he would go into combat. Like he would go into like the Congo, you know, and go into these really um, military filled areas. And it was always dangerous. And when they met, they he stopped doing that. And she said there was never really a discussion that he would stop. He just did. We got married. We had a kid. And his whole life changed. And he's never really loved his work as much as he did then. And so there's always been a part of her that kind of is like, did I derail his life? Right. But that thought will screw up the life they have. Do you see what I mean? I do. That, yes, it derailed that path. 
he's not going to be a, a reporter in the Congo anymore. And she's brought it up to that to him. And he said, yeah, I think I'm alive because of this, you know, meaning that I probably like a lot of his counterparts would have been, right. you know, killed in, in that kind of combat. But he also it's a choice. There's doors we choose. There's doors. Always new doors. And windows, right? That's right. You know, like we either live in past regret and feel weighted down by it or we say, you know, th- you know what the thread you were talking about? Remember, we started with acceptance. Right. If we accept where we are, then we can move forward with clarity. And the Zen part of it is the self-understanding that we can do something about it. So acceptance, Zen, and regret is the title of this podcast. Oh. How's that? Will you write that down so yeah. I don't forget? All right. Um, so a few uh, promotional, selfish, promotional things. Um, are they selfish? Yeah. Well, maybe not. They could be helpful to people. Yeah, that's true. Uh, if you want to subscribe to our podcast, uh, there's a few ways you can do it. Go to iTunes and subscribe, or you can go to our website, and if you click on the subscribe button, uh, every new podcast will land in your inbox if you are an emailer, which most of us old people are. And then Sweetie has a few different books uh, that can be bought on our po- on our website, zenparentingradio.com. And then the other thing is we have a Facebook page, which has actually gained quite a bit of popularity over the last few months. <laughs> our Facebook page is hilarious. Todd put this video up, like, what, in December? Yeah. It's a, this like this thing about what if men had to breastfeed. And for some reason, it's like had this crazy it's life. truly what a viral thing looks like because it like it was huge and then it went away and now it's back again. And it's going all over the world. Like I will look at my phone because it'll give me notifications and it'll be all of these people from India or all of these people from Singapore or all of these people. And they're all like tagging each other. They're all friends, you know, from all over the world. It's actually been pretty fun mm-hmm. like to watch but every once in a while i'll say to todd i'm like this crazy post because like he said it'll just you know nothing will happen and then like a week later there'll be like thousands of people like i think it's had like 86 million views i'm gonna try to pull it up here and i don't yeah 7.085 million views from our facebook page it's been shared 90 90 000 times that's just crazy that's crazy and it's not like it's our material, you no, guys. No, no. It's, it's, like it's a, something that uh, we found and I just put it up there and all of a sudden it's been viewed by 7 million people, which is more than all of our other posts combined <laughs> times 10. Yeah, it's like a, it like hit a nerve somewhere and just is... It's pretty so, funny. But what's been enjoyable is there's been people, a lot of people from all over the world who have liked our page. Yeah. So it's like been kind of fun to interact with people who maybe didn't know about our show before. So the reason I bring up the Facebook thing is if you... We tend to be silly on the Facebook page, but also provide resources. And you may know this. So if you do, then just forget I said it, but you can click on notifications and see our stuff first. Like I do that with certain pages that I really like. That way my news feed is exactly what I want it to be. So, And you can see Todd pretending he's a hamster in that's a right. wheel. That's right. Todd went in a, while we were on break, he went in a big wheel like no, it's a hamster. A big, it's a big, big balloon. Ball. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it was hard. It was very, and I got a little claustrophobic in there. I yeah, got to be honest. Sounds like everybody did. Um, and then I have a coaching practice, coaching for guys. Um, and this is what I'm going to do for you guys out there. If you're interested, I'm going to challenge you and support you to get you the results you want in relationships and career and health and things like that. So if you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. And I do have free 30 minute sessions just to see if it's a good fit for both of us. So if you're interested, go to toddadamscoaching.com. Do you want to promote anything? Well, yes, because this is coming out um, on Tuesday. And on Wednesday night, I have a talk at the Elmhurst Public Library. That's a town where I live, for those of you who are not in the Chicagoland area. And um, I'm going to be talking about communicating and connecting with kids. It's just like an hour. And obviously, I'm happy to take questions or whatever you know people want to know. I'm much more interested in answering, you know, being supportive of the people who are there than giving my pre-rehearsed for lecture, you know. Um, so if you are a Elmhurst um, Public Library member, you can obviously go to the website and register there. But if you're not, if you're from out of town, you know, somewhere around Chicagoland, you can call 630-279-8696 to register. 630-279-8696. And I am also doing a talk on the 19th, I believe, two weeks after that about peace in the home. Um, so... That is my thing. Go to events if you want to hear more yeah, about that. Yeah, you can just go to events on zenparentingradio.com. 
Thank you, Frank Sinatra. Thank you, Frank. This for you, Mama. Everybody um, have a good week. Adios, everybody. Thanks for listening. We appreciate you, and we hope you'll join us again next time. If you are a fan of Zen Parenting Radio, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. This helps people find us. Or you can also just tell a friend about our show. Todd and I do speaking engagements about Zen parenting and self-awareness, so if you have an interested group or organization, contact us at kathy at zenparentingradio.com. That's Kathy with a C. Hey, next year's Zen Parenting Conference is March 2nd and 3rd, 2018. If you want to know more about this or any of our upcoming events, go to zenparentingradio.com and click events. If you want to know more about self-awareness or conscious parenting, pick up one of Kathy's award-winning books at zenparentingradio.com or on Amazon. If you're a guy, I have two resources for you. I coach guys. It's called Coaching for Guys. On the phone, Skype, or in person, we set goals together and come up with a plan to meet those goals, whether it's a relationship, parenting, career, time management, work-life balance, all that good stuff. Go to toddadamscoaching.com, and uh, I also have uh, the first session is free, so it's really no risk. Or if you're looking for a group of men to have authentic conversations with, check out thetribemensgroup.com. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link on our homepage. It won't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. I want to give a special thanks to both of our partners, Tree of Life Chiropractic Care and Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support and keep on trucking.